Hello and welcome, Friar Town. Today is March 10th, and we're going to be joined by... Hold on, let me get my Gus Johnson on real quick. Kai, Ron, Cartwright. I am Billy Ritchie, and this is the Friar Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody back to episode 13 here on the Friar Podcast. I'm of course your host Billy Ritchie and today I'm joined by our first of hopefully many players who are also currently playing overseas. I'm joined by this Friar who came in, made an immediate impact on the team, was always known for switching up the tempo and bringing some pace when he came into the game and eventually led the Big East in assists, became the Big East most improved player, became second team all Big East and also became the MVP of the 2K tournament when PC won it back when he was on the squad. Kyron Cartwright, welcome to the Friar Podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, my man. And obviously, you know, appreciate you taking the time even due to the time difference here. So let's let's get right into it. Kyron, when you were on the Friars, as we start on every episode here of the podcast, what was your favorite restaurant? I like to cook a lot and uh, more. I like a lot of breakfast, too. I'm not a huge Italian guy. I might not, you know, that might strike a little nerve with some Providence fans, but I would say maybe classic cafe if I was going for breakfast. Um, I don't know. I don't really have, I like to cook more than I like to eat out. Love it. I mean, you're the first actually to bring that up. So maybe there's more people out there who should be cooking. Um, and, and Classic Cafe, obviously, it is a classic spot. Like, you know, just a great place to get a nice, you know, home-cooked breakfast and, you know, and just kind of, you know, taking some good vibes. So not, not nothing wrong with that answer. Yeah, so, yeah, so so Kyron, in terms of your early basketball life, you grew up in Compton, California, you know, South Central Los Angeles, obviously known for its hip-hop culture. Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, Easy E, The Game, YG, but also known for some ballers as well. Aaron Afalo, Tyson Chandler, Brandon Jennings. Can you tell us what it was like playing basketball in Compton and, of course, playing against your brother Bryce as well? Okay, yeah. Uh, just growing up, it was it was fun. Basketball is more of a safe haven for a lot of people. And one thing I do want to clean up is a lot of people on the East Coast think uh, Compton – as LA, you know, that South Central thing, but it's actually a whole different city. Some parts of Compton are part of the Los Angeles County, but where I reside is not actually part of Los Angeles County. So I'm technically not a LA guy, but I am a Compton guy. But for most of us, basketball was a safe haven, you know, in the city. There's a lot of gang violence and things like that. It's easy to get caught up in that if you allow it to happen to you but fortunately for me my father was in the city of Compton he ran all of recreation so he ran the pool he ran the parks and he was also coaching I want to say like three or four teams for basketball so I was always with him after work because my mom was also working a job so pretty much every day after school I'm in the gym and why not play basketball rather than just sit there? So it was, it was pretty fun. Met a lot of friends through that, and I was just always around it. Love it. And, yeah, your your, your brother played over at Iowa. He was a point guard as well. 
Um, so, you know, obviously it was in the family. Can you talk a little bit about his career and, you know, matching up against him when you were younger? I didn't really play my brother too many times when we were younger. He's like six years, almost six years older than me. So, you know, he was always much bigger, much stronger. Um, I was still early development, but he would play my dad a lot. And those were like, you know, really good battles just to see kind of motivation because my dad would lock us in the gym. Nobody would be, be allowed to come in, just me, him and my brother. And it would be games and it would get real chippy. And, you know, it was it was something to see, you know, early on. And it, it made me want to get better. My brother, we all went to different high schools. There's three high schools in Compton. There's Centennial, which you mentioned Aaron Aflalo went to. It's Compton High School that I went to. Uh, which also has DeMar DeRozan alum. And then there's Dominguez, which has alums from Tayshawn Prince to Tyson Chandler, Kenny Bruner, Brandon Jennings was there. We all went to a different one. My brother was Dominguez, I was Compton, and my dad was Centennial. Um, after that, my brother, when he graduated, he ended up going to Fresno State originally. He played there with Paul George, they were on the same team incoming freshmen together, which is kind of ironic because my brother put Paul George's team out of the playoffs that year previously in high school. So that was like a little thing and they became roommates. Then shortly after that, he left Fresno State, went to a junior college. After he left the junior college, he did a year in uh, Paris, Texas, Paris JC. They have a really good league down there in Texas, uh, a lot of traveling, a lot of ranked teams. And then he ended up going to Iowa for his last two years with Fran McCaffrey, who's also really good friends with Coach Cooley. I mean, the basketball world is certainly a small world. I know it from working in the business myself, and that that's a great story. And it seems like, you know, the whole family has uh, the whole city of Compton covered. So in, in terms of your next steps, your first commitment was to Loyola Marymount, staying locally in California. But with the firing of head coach Max Good, that, that didn't come to be. So you ended up coming to Friartown, and obviously we were very happy that you came our way out in the East Coast. Can you talk about the decision to come to PC and, you know, had you ever even been out on the East Coast before? I had never been on the East Coast before, but my high school coach would always tell me, uh, he was great friends with Andre LaFleur, who was one of the coaches at the time at Providence. He'd always tell me, oh, wait out on your commitment. Providence is coming to see you. Providence is going to come see you. But for me, uh, I had a really great personal relationship with Coach Max Good, who's uh, he's an East Coast guy, New England guy, you know, coached uh, some really good high school teams out there. I think he coached Karan Butler. Me and him were really close. Uh, we, we developed a great relationship. I talked to him occasionally, you know, still now outside of him being my coach, even though he never got the chance. But it was it was very unfortunate for them that season. They had a lot of injuries. Some players got into a really bad car accident. And it just so happened that the team only had eight players they could play. Not eight players that he chose to play. It was just physically they only had eight players who could dress. One of them was a walk-on or a former walk-on. And, you know, those guys really fought that year. The school didn't kind of see it that way. Um, but we had a really good class coming in. It was me. We had a big Devin Wyatt from 
Texas and Elijah Stewart, who ended up going to USC, which Friar fans got to see play. And unfortunately for us, it didn't work out. And I just, I wanted to leave Loyola. I didn't want to stay there and play for a coach that I really didn't have a relationship with. I didn't know him. I didn't know what his interest would have been for me. Uh, so I took one more visit before I came to Providence College. I took a visit to Grand Canyon. That's when uh, Coach Dan Marley first got the job. It was, uh, it was I, I kind of liked the place. I really did. It was another small school, but it just didn't go how I planned it on the visit. Coach Cooley could tell you, any other coaches could tell you, when I went on my visit to Providence, I was, I was a very shy kid. I really didn't say much to anybody. I was only speaking to people when I was spoken to, but I was just observing a lot. And I don't think Dan Marley wanted that because he wanted a very vocal point guard to lead his team, which I am a vocal point guard, but I was just shy. Mm -hmm. So he kind of took that the wrong way. And I actually ended up calling to commit to them one day. And he told me on the phone because I wasn't vocal, they were pull, actually pulling the offer from me. And I, after that, I went on a visit to Providence. And then I also went on a, a at-home visit to Cal State Northridge. And I ended up choosing Providence. Wow. I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, I'm such a big fan of the team. It's crazy to think about, you know, you being looked at as a non, you know, verbal point guard, because I, I think of your tenacity immediately. And I think of your ability to lead the team when I think about your time at PC. So, hey, every, everything worked out. I'm, I'm just glad you came this way. And, you know, transitioning into you becoming a friar, like, like I said, you know, watching games initially, like when you came in the game, I was like, wow, this guy, he's, he's shifty. Like, you know, he's, you know, he's got pace every time he comes out on the floor, you can get to the basket. Like you made an immediate impact as soon as you became a friar and you had a great point guard to learn from in Chris Dunn. Can you talk about like your initial first couple of years and, and, and learning under Chris? I think it's the way you approach it. For me, I was trying to prove to myself what I could do. And playing against Chris, we played two different styles of basketball. Not saying that I didn't learn from him because I, I learned a lot, but for my game specifically, we, we were two polar opposite point guards. He's more physical. He's more, he's not slow, but he doesn't play with as much pace. And for me, I'm the opposite, very quick. I play with a lot of pace, not as physical as most people, but I'm pretty athletic, even though I, I look pretty small. It was just competing. Every day competing against him got me better. And Chris is a person who doesn't let up. If he has a moment where he feels like he's letting up, Coach Cooley would say something to him and he would snap out of it. And, you know, it was hard. It was some days rough in practice. I wouldn't even get the chance to see a shot. And then it was some days he was scoring on me every possession. And, you know, I got better from it. It was challenging and you just got to face it head on. Yeah. And your journey becoming the starting point guard at PC, I mean, it led to some great success. You know, your junior year specifically, averaging over 11 points a game, over, you know, six and a half assists a game. Like you really kind of came into your own, you know, most improved player, second team, all Big East. Can, can you talk about your junior year success and kind of how you came into your own, you know, as the starting point guard and, and you know, just saw, seeing more reps in practice every day? Uh, I started with, you know, some talks with Coach Cooley. We had Jeff Battle at the time. 
I think Coach Battle played a huge role in my development. He's coached a lot of great guys. He has a lot of knowledge, but you have to be willing and open to listening to him to get there. I spent a lot of time every day, almost before practice, watching film with him. And I think I was defensive my first two years, not really open to a lot of criticism. And once I sat down, talked to Coach Cooley, Coach Battle, started to learn a little bit more, be more open. It allowed my game to kind of flourish because as for the assists, every time I walk into a gym, I feel like I'm, I'm going for seven assists. But I became more of a scorer just through them giving me the confidence, you know, drawing up the plays and them believing in me and giving me the opportunity. You know, a lot of coaches don't give every player the opportunity and the green light to just go out there and play freely with confidence, but they allowed me to do that. And that really let me take off from there. I mean, that's a great point. And that actually leads to a great question because Ed Cooley, Jeff Battle, his assistants are known for creating great point guards, like, or, or, or just making a system that really works for great point guards. Do you feel like what you just mentioned, like being able to play freely and, you know, having that ability to be creative with the basketball night in and night out is the reason that, you know, Ed Cooley coach teams are able to, you know, make some great point guards? Definitely. Coach Cooley really believes in his players. And I would say not a, not a lot of coaches believe as much as he does. And a lot of the guys he recruits are high IQ guys. And it'll be times in the game where Coach Cooley will call a play. And I will look to Coach Cooley and be like, no we should run this play. Like I would literally say no on the court, like let's run this play. And Coach Cooley, instead of be like, no, you run what I say. He's like, okay, let's run it, let's execute. And this is like in the heat of the moment, you know, sometimes it's with a minute left in the game, you know, it's a one point game. Sometimes it's not as close, but when you're able to do that, you play with no fear. You go in to battle knowing your coach has got your back. You know, all the teammates are on the same page. And what do you have to be scared of? That's, that's why a lot of fire point guards play relentless like that is because he gives you the confidence, the freedom, and it's, it's just fun. So much fun. Love, love to hear that. I mean, you can see the sort of trust that the players have in coach and, you know, that he's, he's more than a coach to you guys. Like he's, he's a father figure and he's, a, he's such a good person in so many ways. And transitioning to the team, when you were on PC – who were some of your favorite guys on the team that you still, you know, chop it up with nowadays? And, you know, who do you think was the most talented Friar that you played with? The most talented? I'd say either Chris or Dante. The most talented. I would say the most talented, I would say Chris. But Dante, he might have been one of the best players. You know, he might not be the most athletically gifted player, but the way he played the game, He's just relentless. He was a dog, and he gave me that mentality even as a freshman when sometimes the coaches would be yelling at you, you make a bunch of mistakes. LaDante would be that guy in the huddle that grabs you and, like, I don't care what they said. They told you don't shoot the ball. If I pass you the ball, you shoot it. <laughs> he's a funny guy. He's, he's really good. Um, he's having still a good career. He's battling a couple of injuries, but he's playing really well. And as far as, like, outside the court, Still talk to Isaiah. Um, Fonts was my guide in college, Andrew Fonts and Tom Planick. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't think that, you know, the players, 
on scholarship or that close with the walk-ons, but at Providence, we're really close with them. And also the managers. I'm really good friends with a couple of the managers still, still keeping in contact with them. And, you know, in the summer when we got a few free days and we're all around each other, we all hang out sometimes. That's great to hear. No, it's great to hear that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a larger Friar community there and that everybody gets along and, you know, and everybody's close afterwards because, you know, when, even for us students who go to PC, like, you know, we call it the Friar family and like, you know, we say there's nothing like it. So it's great to hear that you guys view it the same way in terms of your senior year. So your senior year, you led the big East in assists, and you had one specific moment that I can think of where I was kind of wowed by. It was the Belmont game, of course, where you hit the game winning shot. Like, it was, you know, the, the shot clock was winding down, you know, it felt like you were just floating towards the basket. Like you just never stopped floating and you, and you, and you put up the shot at the free throw line and, and, and it went in. Can you talk about like that year, what it was like being a part of a big three with Rodney and Jalen and, and, and hitting that big shot? That year we had a lot of ups and downs, you know, I battled a couple of injuries, ankle injuries, knee injuries, it was emotionally draining for me because it was the first time in my life I'd ever had to deal with injuries. So just not being able to go out there on the court or go to practice was emotionally taxing. But playing with those guys, it was very fun. Uh, we share a lot of memories. It's a lot of stuff in games, you know, behind the scenes that people don't get to see. That sometimes we can't talk about. But, you know, we made a lot of great memories, us three. But specifically for that shot, if you go back and watch the video on that shot, I'll explain the whole rundown and you'll get a pretty good laugh out of it. Out of it. Anybody would. Mm -hmm. So we had the walkthrough the morning of the game, the day before, maybe two or three days before the game. The play that they ran to get the bucket before I hit the shot was probably the play that we walked through the most. And Coach Cooley was like, I don't care what happens. They don't get to score on this play. He said, when the guy wraps around at the free throw line, which he did for like a backdoor layup, whoever is chasing him and the guy who set in the screen switched and it was going to be the three and the four. And I'm pretty sure it was Rodney and Jalen. And Jalen was coming around the screen and he says, switch, which I'm there. I hear the switch. But I'm guarding the ball, so I don't I don't really see what's going on back there. The one play we couldn't give up, we talked about it so much. And somebody didn't switch and they got the layup. And I remember instantly Coach Cooley being livid. My first reaction was I knew it was only a couple seconds left. I literally throw the ball at Jalen to make him take it out. And from there, I was just full head of steam downhill because I know we we didn't have much time. And at that point in time, I'm just like, all right, let me see if I can get to the basket. If somebody gets open on the wing, I'm going to kick it out. But I ended up splitting the two defenders. I get to the three-point line, and I was like, I'm here. I'm going to take the shot. I pull up, going full speed. I, I, I jump at the three-point line. I, I think I landed at the rim <laughs> at the floor. When the shot goes in, everybody is happy except for Coach Cooley. If you look at the video, Coach Cooley is screaming at Jalen for giving up the one play he said we couldn't give up. And that's what I remember the most from that shot is Coach Cooley not being happy at all. 
I, I have a lot of memories of, of coach just he, he there would be times where Jalen would come come out of the game and he, he would just lay into Jalen at times so I, I know exactly what you're talking about and yeah I mean you floated to the basket I remember that ball that ball was up in the air for like 10 minutes like I, I like like we we in Friartown were just waiting for that ball to come down so that was an absolutely amazing moment and what you know it was an amazing way to start off what was a great year um so talking about 2018 specifically we can't not mention the big east tournament that big east tournament was special in so many ways like three overtime games the most in big east history you got probably even overshadowed because coach cooley ripped his pants in in the championship but at the end of the day like what i'm going to remember from that tournament was another great shot was your turnaround jay against villanova in the championship and the gus johnson call like kai ron cartwright like you know it's just it was just such an emotional, like fun time to be a Friar fan and to be in that Big East championship game. Can you talk about that run in the Big East tournament and specifically, obviously, the championship game? <laughs> oh, man, it started with the shoes. Um, we got to we got to the Big East tournament. I had my shoes with me, and for some reason, they just happened to be real slippery that weekend. And so you ever seen, you've seen like Mike before, right? Absolutely. You know, Calvin Cambridge. Yeah, he starts playing well. So me and Fonts, he's my roommate on this trip. We go into the city. I get a pair of the Westbrooks. They're black and white, perfect fire colors. I got them, but they're brand new. They're not broken in. So <laughs> the whole time in the hotel room, I'm just walking around in these shoes like even when we we're sitting in the hotel room, not doing nothing, I just have the shoes on to kind of break them in. And Fonts was like, it was gonna be a hard time about it, but I was telling him, it's the shoes, it's the shoes. So biggest tournament comes around. The first game we played pretty well. Was the first game Creighton? Uh, I think so. It was either, it was either Creighton or Butler. Yeah, Creighton was first, I think, and we played really well. It was a good game. No, I think we played Xavier second. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure we played Xavier mm -hmm. second. So yeah. we played Creighton. We had a good game. Come back to the hotel, put my shoes on again. And Fonce is like, yo, keep the shoes on, man. These, these, these are the ones. These are the ones. <laughs> <laughs> so I have these shoes. It did. We, you know, we just making jokes about it, but. You know, it's a quick turnaround where people don't notice. You don't really get any rest. We come back to the hotel after the win, and pretty much you get to rest for an hour, a couple, and then you're right back watching film and you're scouting for the next team. So it's a lot of people missing out on sleep. You know, body's not well rested. We just played overtime. So we get to the next game, not really playing well at all. Playing terrible, to be honest. And I always tell people that I think Makai was the reason we got to that championship because I was playing bad. I wasn't feeling too well. I look at Makai in the huddle. Uh, He's pretty sure he subbed me out. And I was I told him with straight face, you know, you give me a couple minutes, just, just give us some kind of spark. I promise I'll help you. And he came out and he played a wonderful game against Xavier. Uh, he really sparked us. Uh, I think at the time, I ended up scoring 17, 19, something like that. But at the time, I probably had two points. Um, not shooting the ball well, probably wasn't playing defense well, letting it affect me. But once he gave us that spark, you know, the team went on a run. 
it was it was a very exciting game. And I think that was the only time in my life I've ever seen a game won with a game-winning charge. And yeah. <laughs> everybody knows JP Makura's reputation. And uh yeah, in the hallway after the game, he let me know about it. He was big <laughs> um, he was he was pretty livid. So we go into the next the next day, you know, it's Villanova championship. And physically, I would say as as a team, our bodies, our energy is on a six, but emotionally our energy was on a 10. And you know, it was a great battle. And we get down to that, you know, Coach Cooley gives us a little speech, you know, the little run we make in the second half. I hit a couple threes. Alpha got a couple buckets. Isaiah showed up for us. It's a it's an iconic speech. Cooley always gives one. He, I remember my freshman year, we played Villanova when we were down. That speech went like, you know, guys, we're going to get a bucket on this play. We're going to get a steal. We're going to hit a three. We're going to be right back in the game. You know, like as a player, you're like, okay, you know, this is not going to happen. So I remember freshman year, he drew up the play. We scored. Chris gets to steal the next play. Ben scores off of that. And I think a play later, Jalen comes down and hit a three. And it was the same. It was like deja vu. We get there, and Coach Cooley is like, we're going to get a couple stops. We're going to score. And then we're going to come down and hit a big three. And this game is going to change. And as you know it, we get a stop. We run out. We score. We get another stop. I get the transition three from Rodney on the wing. And that's when we get the legendary Gus Johnson call. And, you know, you can just see it on Cooley's face when he walks out onto the court. You know, he's clapping, he's celebrating. You know, he gave us that confidence. You know, everything he said transpired. It was a wonderful feeling. We get down to the end. And the last play, I'll never let myself live that down. You know, the mid-range shot in regulation, I feel like I make that shot nine times out of ten. And that day, it happened to be the tenth time. And, you know, after that shot, we just kind of ran out of gas, you know, so many minutes, so little time, so little days, we just kind of ran out of gas, but I felt like we gave it our all. I'm still proud of that run for my, uh, the team. hundred, hundred percent. And it was so fun. Like, yeah, that, that still frame of Cooley, it just like went directly to his face. Cause he was just smiling. Like everybody was so happy. The energy was so up, even though you guys were probably completely exhausted. So yes, that was a very special run. And as a Friar fan, like, thank you for that run. It was, it was, it was so cool to watch. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, you know, obviously we came up a little bit short, but not, not in our eyes, you know, we, we know you guys gave it everything you had. Um, now, one of the cool things about this interview is I've interviewed a lot of guys who are alums, you know, who have been out of the game for maybe five, 10 years at least, um, you know, including like Sham God, Jamel, those, those, those guys, Marcus Doughton, and, and, and you're still playing right now, which, which, which is really cool. And I think you can provide the listeners a, a perspective of what it's like to play professionally um, or play professionally overseas. Your first team in Hungary that you played on, you played, you played with Rodney. Can, can you talk about, you know, first starting off your professional basketball career and then second playing with your fellow Friar? Uh, it's, it's a difficult decision, you know. There's so many things that play into it. You know, you get offers from so many countries, so many teams, but you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. You can think you do, but it's a completely different ball game. You know, you want to live in somebody else's country under their rules, you're, you're, for the most part, you're pretty much alone. Every, when you get there, the, the chances that you know somebody there are very slim. 
for me, fortunately, I had Rodney. So we had each other. You know, we got to Hungary and it's this new place. You know, we get to the grocery stores. We can't read anything. We can't find anything to buy. We don't speak the language. So I can't really go up to anybody in the store and ask them, you know, hey, what, what's, what is milk in your language? Because they won't understand me. And you got to look for your teammates for that help. And if, say, if they're tired for practice, they don't feel like responding, you don't have any help. You're just out there winging it. Uh, you can't find anything. You don't know where anything is in the city. And you just pretty much, new world, you go figure it out. That's how it was. And me and Rodney, you know, we made the best of the situation. And, you know, playing it, out there, it was, it was very different. For me, I was pretty much the only point guard when we had our first coach. And he allowed me to play freely, but he tried to convert Rodney into something that he wasn't. He tried to make him a primarily back to the basket player. And I tried to tell him that's not what Rodney does. Rodney is a shooter. And it took him probably till halfway through the season to, to figure that out. And for Rodney, it's gotta be mentally draining because Rodney's a shooter. Rodney comes in the game, he takes a couple of shots. That's what he does. Now Rodney's on the bench because he's not posting up. He's not posting up. And I saw I saw him go through it. You know, he dealt with the adversity and he had some really big games for us. He broke out towards the end, but it's kind of hard to figure that out because you can't argue with the coach. You can't really say what you really want when you're playing overseas because they can paint the narrative for you for your career. If you cause any problem on the team, they can instantly send you home. They can cut you. It's no repercussions for them. And at the same time, any other team you try to play for will contact them and they can paint the narrative that you're a, you're a cancer for the team. You cause the problem. So it's not really much you can do. Interesting. That's 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 great insights. And obviously, yeah, we 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 know Rodney to be that inside out basketball player from his time at PC. So it must have been amazing for him to you know have somebody like you who could speak that to the to the to the coach and you know you guys supporting each other through the journey because people just look at it as playing basketball. You know, it's a universal language across the world. But at the end of the day, like you know, being in somebody else's country, like you mentioned, it's a completely different ball game. So and, and speak and speaking of that, you, you you went to you know you went to your next step. Um, the the Leicester Riders, um, you know, like I said, like I think about you as like a shifty, like, you know, pass first sort of point guard. You averaged over eight assists a game there. You had a lot of success. Can you talk, talk about what it was like playing in London? Well, I didn't play in London and I'm going to pronounce the city right. because I, I definitely was, messed that up, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, no, it's Leicester. Okay. Um, it's about two and a half hours outside of London. Leicester has a Premier League team who won the Premier League a couple of years back. But playing there was a whole different feeling than playing in Hungary. It was less travel, less toll on the body, because me and Rodney, we played FIBA Euro Cup also. So every other week, we playing two games every week for sure. But every other week or sometimes back-to-back -back weeks, we're traveling to other countries in between. Our coach will make us fly back home and like we're practicing straight off the plane like we don't get any rest of the body that was different but when i got to leicester they have a coach his name is rob Paternostro. he's from connecticut so he had seen me play before because he has roots obviously in new england 
He's a really great coach. Um, that's a guy who played with a lot of freedom also. A really fiery guy. Love him. And playing there in England is a completely different because now I'm on a journey in a place where I speak the same language as everybody. I can go do all the common things. And I just had really good teammates. Uh, I had a UPenn guy on my team, had a Harvard guy, which we played which I, when I was at Providence. And we had a pretty solid roster. One of my hometown friends, Naaman Wright, who's an LA guy. So we played there. That team is known for traditionally winning the championships there recently. Really great team. But we had a couple struggles. We, we ended up finishing out as having the best record throughout all competitions. But we didn't win any of the two competitions that completed. Obviously, the regular season and playoffs got cut short due to Corona, but we were in a pretty good position to fight for first place and win the league, which was a very fun time for me. You, you think you think a New England guy like me who grew up who grew up in Providence would know that it's you know it, it's not Leicester like it's like me calling like Worcester Worcester. <laughs> so. yeah, definitely, you know, you go to England, you see all the. The familiar names out there, you know, you got Worcester. I don't know if we have Leicester, but, you know, there's York, everything. You know, a lot of New England cities have similar names to the names, I guess, where they originally came from in England. Yeah, no, we're going to give me a pass because it's early here. But um, <laughs> let's talk about your current journey playing professional basketball with, with the Phoenix Hagen. Um, but let's talk about being in Germany. Let's talk about, you know, your current journey with the team. And, you know, what are you thinking about your next year here as a professional? Well, right now, just trying to finish out the year strong. Um, we've had so many ups and downs with this team in Hagen, and it's really been draining. So for us, you know, we start the year off, we lose a game, me and my one of my teammates, you know how a situation where you guys are both running for a ball or the ball's in the air and you both go to jump. This is literally what happened. We both go to jump and we see in the peripherals, oh, he's gonna jump, he's gonna jump. Neither one of us jump. We missed the rebound, they hit a shot, we lose the game. And ever since then, it was just like some trickle down effects and the season has been rough for us ever since. You know, We haven't had a full team since that game. And now last game would have been, well, this upcoming game would have been the first time we almost had a full team again. But unfortunately, two of our Americans had, you know, family problems back home. So they ended up leaving. So, I mean, we've been through it all. Started off the season, guys got hurt every week. Then the whole team got um, coronavirus. And that was, that was tough for us because we had to quarantine. It started off one player had it. So we quarantined for two weeks. Like we can't even leave our room. So we're not playing basketball or anything. And as soon as we get out of it, I want to say we practice for a couple of days. I get hurt. So they end up playing that week, one game. And then they come back and then we practice. I practice one day with the team. Then we test again. We, we do a lot of routine. Uh, testing for COVID and now the whole team has coronavirus so now back in the quarantine so I went five weeks straight <laughs> without even being able to work out play basketball or anything and now it's just a grind 
And then we come back. I want to say we play a game. The next game gets canceled because the other team has it. So we get our teammates back. Somebody gets really sick, not related to COVID. Now we're missing two to three players because they catch something on the side. Our captain, who's went to St. Joseph's, he's has dual citizenship. His name is Javon Bowman. He ended up from symptoms from COVID. He got a sinus infection to where his he couldn't drain fluid from his like nostrils or from his mouth because of the infection. So they had to keep manually cutting inside of his nose to manually drain it. So now we're missing our captain. And now we have no big. We have one big who's a four to five. We're playing underhanded. And it's just something after the next. Every time we almost get to a complete team, another curveball comes. So we get to maybe a couple weeks ago. We started, we, we started to figure it out. We're playing really well. Now we only have eight players for this game. <laughs> so many people are hurt. We get down to the wire. We have the first place team in, you know, basically on the ropes. It's a one-point game. Our center, I don't know if he deserved it. He gets ejected. Now we're down to seven players, which me, I'm the only point guard on the team. Our shooting guard, we both have four fouls with eight minutes left, I want to say. So now we're in a dog fight. After that happens, you know, we get the rest of the team back. We're starting to really put it together. Now we're like, all right, we really going to make this run. And then now we got the Americans leaving. And now here we are, you know, a couple guys short. We're still missing one of our other captains who's out he ended up getting mono, and then he has like an, an infection in his body to where he can barely move now. So it's now we still don't have a full team. So we probably have a core got seven core guys and then youth players. And that's what we're making our run with for the rest of the season. I mean, there's like there's like too much to unpack there. That is the most sickness I've ever heard hit one team. Um <laughs> I, want to, I want to send my best to the team <laughs> that is crazy <laughs> like, like, that is absolutely crazy I mean the sinus infection thing's like freaky um so you know obviously everybody out there especially you know here in the states like remember take COVID seriously this is a professional athlete we're talking about here so you know take take the virus seriously and to bring it back on a positive note to you know to kind of wrap things up here we talked about this before you know just chopping it up was that you were most likely going to be a history major at PC. And then, you know, you have a big passion for sports media and you were able to bring that to Friartown and work on some different things and work on a little bit of a, you know, sports media concentration, if you will. Can you talk about, you know, what you worked on at PC in terms of sports media and, you know, your, and your passion for it? What I worked on was really, really fun. I gotten a passion for it just because I like sports, you know, commentating, being a color guy, even being behind the camera. So with my major, I was able to do both. And, you know, it opened my eyes up to how much work really goes into all of that stuff. One day, Arthur Parts, who, you know, is the SI for Providence College, in the summertime, I, I jokingly asked him for a job in his department, and he actually gave it to me. And I was, like, kind of surprised. And I went to work up there, and they allowed me to help them and just to see, you know, the type of things that goes on. It was a really tight family up there. Nick Rojas, who obviously still works at Providence, you know, it's a grind. It's a lot of work that goes into that. I've seen him, I've seen him at times start working on a project at 1 p.m. 
and I'm leaving the gym like a second workout like at 11 at night. He's still up there grinding like, yeah, I'm not going home. Yeah, I still got a lot of much work to do. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty fun. He taught me how to edit videos, you know, how to record, how to do all the background work to make sure everything works. And then we also had KJ Hammond, who he was at St. John's this year uh, running their media. And then I think he just moved on to overtime, working for overtime. He's a really great guy who helped me along that process. All three of them ended up giving me recommendations, mostly Arthur, I think. And I got a small internship over the summer working with ABC, with uh, Nick. And it was, I want to say, probably the most fun six weeks I ever had. He taught me a lot. I was able to see what goes on behind the scenes there. Took me to many events. I went to Patriots practices, boxing events, uh, you know, recording film for a couple Celtics things. And, you know, things that I probably would have not been able to do if I settled for being a history major or if I wasn't given the opportunity or the extra help from Arthur and guys like Nick Rojas. That's a great story. And Hey, could definitely be a, you know, when you're done playing probably, you know, 10, 15 years from now, that could be maybe a second career for you. Hopefully coaching first, coaching first, but <laughs> hopefully that'd be like the third, if I make it that far. Love it. And to conclude, let's talk about your favorite moment playing for the Providence Friars. You obviously had a great career and we were very thankful to have you. Um, and what it's like playing at the dunk. I'm from Providence. Like, I love taking people to the dunk. Like, it's just an amazing experience. And it's just something I think that surprises people. Can you talk about your favorite moment playing at the dunk? Um, my favorite moment at the dunk would probably be my freshman year. Probably I had to double-double. I want to say maybe Stony Brook because my parents weren't able to you know, travel across the country for all the games. And, you know, that was kind of like the first time they traveled that far to see me play in anything. But it was also like an eye-opening moment for me because all of the sacrifices that they made to get me to that point, um, you know, just being able to see them happy for me was uh, really good. But also another... I would say favorite moment at the dunk. A lot of people would say the pink out game was mm -hmm. you know, a really good, yeah, really, really fun moment for us. But number one on the list, us versus Marquette. I don't know, maybe freshman year, maybe sophomore year. I think it's freshman year because we had the gray jerseys with the white numbers that year. We got a little transition play or it was an offensive rebound and I got the ball. And I threw the lob to Ben, to, to Ben, and he got a really nice lob and a dunk. It was a really nice picture of us, like, both screaming. But at the same time, I think that was the loudest I've heard the dunk. I don't think I could hear anything for, like, the next minute. It was, like, so much energy in there, so much excitement. It was just fueling for us. It was, it was nice. I'll never forget that. It's a special place. You know, those cardboard cutouts and alumni are not doing the same purpose, even though mine is directly behind the bench, which is pretty cool. Shout out PC Athletics for doing that. Um, 
But Kyron, it's an absolute pleasure. I thank you so much for taking the time, you know, especially with the time difference overseas and, you know, would, would love, yeah, yeah, d- definitely, you know, d- definitely share anything to kind of give some final thoughts for some Friar fans. My final thoughts for the Friar fans would be, you know, take it easy on the kids this year. It's so tough. Like speaking from firsthand experience, you never know what the kids are going through right now. You know, with COVID, you know, people's families are being impacted. People themselves are being impacted. You never know when the team is, you know, under certain circumstances, you know, I've been there where they tell you, oh, you got to quarantine for 10 days. And then you might practice for one, but you haven't played basketball. You're not in shape and everything. And it's just, okay, you show up after one day of preparation while everybody's been playing for weeks and in a rhythm and you got to go out there and be the best. It's just tough under these circumstances. So I would say, you know, it's been a grind for the team this year, but, you know, everybody got to give them some leeway this year for sure. 100% 100% totally different year, a lot of different circumstances, obviously, you know, putting family and those important to us first is, you know, obviously mental, you know, it can be mentally draining and some things going on behind the scenes we don't know about. So very well said, but I mean, you had a great storied Friar career, you know, as, as I said, like, I mean, I would describe your Friar career actually when, you know, when you played in the Drew League and you had that shifty moment where you put that guy like on, <laughs> on, on his butt, like that, that, that's how I think of you when I think about your career at PC, even though you were, you were suiting up out there and, you know, I, I just like to thank you for all the great memories and, um, you know, looking forward to keeping in touch and, you know, best of luck on the rest of your professional career. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time out and for reaching out. Absolutely, my man. Go Friars. Go Friars. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to episode 13 of the Friar Podcast. And of course, a special thank you to Friar Point Guard great, Kyron Cartwright. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Friar Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud if you enjoy our content. And of course, go Friars.